Welcome to The Colin and Samir Show. On today's episode, we are answering your questions, including how to develop more stakes in your video, if we would interview a sex worker, and we answer a question from someone who ran 52 marathons in 52 days. That's pretty crazy. But our conversation starts about Logan Paul and his recent entrance into the WWE. I'm Colin. And I'm Samir. And we've been YouTube creators for the past 10 years. And on this show, we talk about the world of creators, as well as take questions from all of you about how to build a better business as a creator. And occasionally, we give our gripes with the world, things that just kind of annoy us. All right, let's get into it. From the top rope is just not something that I envisioned seeing Logan Paul do. But that clip on Instagram, when he jumps out of the ring from the top rope onto the Miz on a table, I was astonished. Yeah, and if you don't know what Samir is talking about right now, we're talking about WWE SummerSlam wrestling, which neither Samir or I are a fan of admittedly. Speak for yourself. Okay. I, that was an assumption and yeah, I went there. Yeah. Logan Paul has become a wrestler signed to WWE and he's actually good. Like there are clips of him being extremely acrobatic. It looks like someone's playing as him in a video game. Logan Paul. Oh no. It's about to risk it all. No, no, no. A risk taker ready to take the biggest risk of the ball. And the comments on Twitter from actual WWE fans are like, you know what? I wasn't so sure when he joined WWE, but he's good. I, I just can't believe that some of the stuff he talked about when he was early days on Vine and just starting to vlog on YouTube, he was referencing The Rock a lot and kind of suggesting he wanted to become one of the biggest entertainers in the world. An action star. An action star. And then, of course, he started acting, you know, vlogging, and he did become very popular and then got canceled, got canceled went away, and there was a lot of thought that it was like, that's the end for that guy. And boxing allowed him to come back, see, allowed everyone to see him in a different light as like an athlete. Mixed with impulsive, with, with the frequency of the podcast and the clips of him. Which built his personality more and almost trust in it, which has been going for three years. And then transitions to WWE, where again, I thought that was a bit of a gimmick. I was like, oh, cool. They did a collaboration with Logan. No, he's actually time. a wrestler. And then it's just like, He's doing backflips. My first thought was, when do you have time to learn this with everything you're doing? It all is very strategic or it seems strategic because he is slowly acquiring a relationship with an audience that would go watch an action movie starring Logan Paul. Yeah, and, and also it was very strategic that this week he interviewed Triple H on Impulsive, a WWE star. So coming right out of SummerSlam, if you're like, hey, that Logan Paul guy, he's not so bad. Check out his podcast. Oh, I'm a WWE fan. Here's a veteran WWE guy. Yeah, it's interesting. It just speaks to uh, the value of understanding how to navigate the internet and build communities in different places. Because again, you would have assumed that Logan Paul's career was over. Yeah. But because of his knowledge of how to navigate the internet and create content, he has like story told his way back to a place where he could potentially be one of the biggest entertainers in the world. So it's a fascinating case study, no matter what you think about Logan Paul. Sure, yeah. It's just interesting to watch. I also think it's it's connected to what we saw this past week with Will Smith taking to YouTube and Instagram to apologize. So I will, I will say to you, Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. 
as opposed to going on a daytime talk right. show. As opposed yeah. to going with Oprah or Barbara Walters, which is what a celebrity would have done in the past. It suggests that like for better or for worse, when you control your own distribution, you, you kind of control when these things happen and how this story is told. Yeah, it's kind of high risk, high reward. Yeah. Right, because you're in charge of the narrative, so you risk taking full accountability for what you put out into the world. But if you show an authentic version of yourself that mm -hmm. someone likes, then now you have earned their trust and you have a fan, someone that will follow you. That's where we wanted to start, just because that was something that we talked about a ton. Like, this clip was just so crazy. If you haven't seen it, Check it out. I think it's on WWE's Instagram account. Or you could probably find it on Logan Paul's, but I don't know. I was just floored by like the, the evolution of this guy. And like, is it in 20 years or 10 years that he's just like the rock? He's like in every movie and is just this mega global superstar. I don't know. Could happen. Feels Could like happen. he's on that path. All, All right, right, let's get into our first question. All right, this one comes from the Reddit, and it's a video that we haven't watched yet. We are going to play it, and the title is How Can Small Creators Make Good Stakes? Slash Stakes. Hey, Colin. Hey, Samir. And hey, Reddit. So how can small creators make good stakes for their videos? And by stakes, I mean consequences, not the meat. Although I would be interested in hearing about how you cook meat as well. So anyways, the reason I'm asking this is because hypothetically, if one was to create a series where they try to develop a web app in 10 days with no web development experience, and they wanted some kind of consequence if they failed to make their series meaningful, how would one do that? I think this is good for all creators because we all want some kind of meaning to our content, you know? And we can't always give away a million dollars like Mr. Beast. So yeah, how would we create some good stakes, some good meaningful consequences? On an unrelated note, I'm here in front of some nature to satisfy the park ranger within Colin. And also, I'm a huge fan of the pod and you guys are almost at a million, so keep it up. Thanks guys. Great question, first of all. Also great just references to park ranger Colin. You know, you say you wanna be a park ranger <laughs> once yeah. and it just sticks with you. So should we start um, with how to cook meat? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think you would know anything about that. Wow, that's an assumption. That's crazy that you, you haven't just eaten made. meat in years. Okay, take it easy, man. So, all right, let's that, start no, with the, that's not an uh, assault. All right, let's start with I'm just building saying. steaks on video. Then I guess. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that we've gotten to a point on YouTube where you can feel when steaks have been manufactured and when they almost feel like they don't have any real consequence. It's like if I don't do this by this time, then. I don't know. It just doesn't feel real if it's not real. And I, I'm curious to just explore the concept of emotional stakes um, when it comes to this, right? You want to you develop something, uh, you know, you want to code something in, in three days, and maybe that's because you're feeling stuck in your career. Maybe it's because you've never come up with an idea and brought it to completion yourself and you've never known if you're good enough. Yeah, Maybe I'm going probably, too deep on your no, emotional turmoil. <laughs> but that's probably enough for the audience you're trying to reach right. who are other software engineers, right? Yeah. Other coders. It, it wouldn't, you don't need to have the stakes be that you would have to eat a ghost pepper at the end if you don't do it or you have to get a tattoo. Good steak there. Yeah. It's a good steak. Yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't make the emotional journey no. any better for the people that you're trying to connect with because you're not looking for a mass audience. Yeah. You know, I bring up the ghost pepper because, you know, hot ones, right? They eat spicy things. That's the steak. Mm -hmm. But it's for a mass audience. So you have to have that type of entertainment. I think that that's a really important conversation that that we've been having too around if we work 
too hard in the direction of mass appeal? Do we lose some of our value that, that we want to provide to our community, right? Educational value. That's something that's really important to think about as a creator. It's, you know, it, if you are trying to attract an audience that's really interested in coding, maybe they don't need crazy stakes. Maybe the stake is, you know, emotional or only understood by that community. If you're trying to use coding as the backdrop for something that's entertaining at mass scale, then you have to make something that is globally understood, like eating a hot pepper, giving away a bunch of money. But human emotions are also globally understood. Yeah, and I would think if I were you, how do I increase retention, add parallel storylines, not necessarily create too much tension at the end if you fail? So, you know, even in listening to your question, you brought up things that were personal to Samir and I that showed that you listened to our work. Right. And that was almost a retention strategy for me as I was watching you ask right. the question. So it could be humor, right, for a lot mm-hmm. of creators is they're telling you information, but then there's also this other through line of humor, mm-hmm. right? And that's keeping you going because you're waiting for the next joke. This is something that we talked about actually in our storytelling course that we made a couple of years ago around um, dual narrative storytelling. Like what? write down you know, story one and story two or plot A and plot B. And if plot A is I need to code this in, in three days, what's plot B? Is it that you have an annoying brother that's distracting you? You know, maybe is it that you also have a job to do? So you have to do this, you know, in your off time. Like you what's and, uh, you and Sahil got something going on right now. Me and Sahil, when we were kids, he was the annoying brother. I, was I the, feel like you were the annoying, the annoying brother. brother. My yeah. brother would try and do things that were productive and I would just come in like a tornado. So I also just like to say now that you've brought up your brother, it is his birthday on the day that this came out. Oh, happy birthday, Sahil. So happy birthday, Sahil. And if you are listening to this, if you listen to this, I will hand you $1,000 if you are listening to this and you say to me, pineapple, when I see you tonight. Specifically for Sahil. Yeah, Yeah. so that's only for Sahil. If he says pineapple to me tonight, then I will give him $1,000. To be clear, if you're any other listener other (laughs) than Sahil. It won't work. And you see us and you say pineapple. Does not work. Yeah, does not. You cannot cash that in. We'll just say thanks for listening. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to bring up our episode about Squid Game. So that episode, in that episode, we we break down kind of why we think it was such a global phenomenon. So that's meant to be an analysis education. And we establish in that episode that we're going to play one of the, the games from Squid Game, the marble game. Throughout the episode, you're getting reminded that one of our editors is going to the grocery store and you're seeing scenes of him picking out the thing we need to eat when one of us loses that game. So there's this like double narrative that's taking place where we are giving you education in the background, you're aware that this thing is happening that only you and Chris know, we don't know. And that is an example of consequence that was something that we sat down and said, can we establish stakes that are interesting, have mass appeal that are you know understandable because we think this video has the opportunity to have a lot of eyeballs and, and a mass appeal to it. And we want to keep people watching, but not all of our videos have that. And no. actually majority of them don't. The stake is that you don't know the information yeah. and that's not that intense of a stake, but for the audience that we, we want to attract, we hope that that stake, you know, pulls them through. The tension is at the beginning, you don't know the information and hopefully yeah. by the end you do and you right. understand it. Right. To address some of his other points around cooking meat. Do you want to, do you want to go into that? 
Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, sure. I'll, yeah. As of lately, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of different ways that you can cook meat, clearly. Mm. Uh, I think people who eat rare steak is just astonishing to me. Like, what is happening? Yeah, right, I mean, you're focusing get, on the end yeah, result. Yeah, I was yeah, focusing yeah, more okay. on the process. Got so it. I've been using an air fryer lately. Oh, that is the and, most I'm in my 30s thing you've ever said. And it said. is a life-changing appliance <laughs> okay. that you can create right. something that's crispy on the outside and stays juicy on the inside no matter how mm-hmm. long you cook mm-hmm. it. And that's why this episode is brought to you by air fryers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, uh, you did mention that uh, we are getting close to crossing a million subscribers. That is extremely exciting for us. Um, it feels like it's happening faster than I anticipate right now. I think we grew 30,000 subscribers in the last week. So it it's feeling like, whoa, I, I kind of can't believe that it's, it's going to say Colin and Samir, 1 million subscribers. It's very exciting. And at the same time, what's interesting as creators is I think the subscriber number is a representation of your commitment to the platform, especially for us, for how long it's taken us to get there. This commitment to experimentation and trying things. But I think you should always be, as a creator, looking at the metric of views per video, how many people are watching, how many returning viewers are watching, how long are they watching for? Like that is the substance uh, from a metric perspective that matters. Not to say I'm not super excited about hitting a million, but I do think it's it it's not as representative of the amount of eyeballs on the videos. I agree with you. I, yeah. I think that hitting 1 million will be an unbelievable feat. Yeah. But when you look at our analytics right now, in July, we've had 7.4 million returning viewers, people who've watched one video and then came back to watch another right. within those 30 days. Right. That to me is incredible that 7.4 million people there's another have watched and have actively yeah. decided not to subscribe <laughs> and decided that this is not for them. I will them. keep these guys from yeah. 1 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have all, even if a couple of them did it, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, could have helped. Yeah. yeah, it would have taken an eighth <laughs> of those people. There's also a metric in the YouTube backend that's average views per viewer, which means a single viewer, how many videos are they watching on your channel? And I think that's a really important thing for creators to look at as well, because we're building this library that's supposed to be able to be viewed, you know, one video after the other, after the other. And that's something that we're working on to make sure that if you watch one of our videos, can you watch another one too? Are you compelled to click on another one? All right. This question also comes from the Reddit. This is from Master of None. Shout out to Master of None on Reddit. Uh, Said, should larger creators share video profits with the team that made the video? I think it was in the Binging with Babish episode that Andrew Ray mentioned some kind of profit share agreement where members of the team that worked on a video got a share of the profits. This seemed like a great idea to me and a fair way to work. I'm curious how common this is within the creator economy and hear what the community feels about it. If you have others working on your videos, do you share profits? If so, how? For example, do you share profits across the videos with the team members or just profits from specific videos? All right, I think we get the-, the I think it's a this. great way to incentivize employees to- stay with you for the long haul and yeah. feel like they can be a part of the growth. In the episode with Andrew Ray, Binging with Babish, he actually was talking specifically about creators who will host a series on the channel, Babish Culinary Universe, which yeah. I think is a, is a slightly different it's, thing. It's a slightly different model. If yeah. you are, if there was, you know, a member of our team who was hosting their own series where a video came out once a week on mm-hmm. our, on the Colin and Samir channel, and there were brand deals on those videos, then a hundred percent, you know, tying them to those profits so they can see, yeah. you know, and feel that growth. It's no brainer to me, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of media companies, actually more traditional media companies don't do that. Yeah. The first thing to understand about this model and this concept is just that 
creators do have a lot of expenses, you know, team being also part of that. And, you know, whether they, it, like for us, we have a studio, right? And we talked about this in our last YouTube upload, but like we have a new office that's going to cost a lot of money. We have insurance that costs a lot of money. We, we have a lot of things that, that cost a lot of money and our team is, is another one of those things. So in theory, I really like this. In practice, I think it sometimes gets challenging um, if you are heavily depending on the AdSense check to help offset some of your expenses for making videos. That said, I know there are creators that do this with their creative teams. And I think a lot of us as creators, I've had conversations with other creators to, to figure out how they're doing this and what they feel is you know fair and equitable split and the functionality of it. So I think this will become more common practice, but similar to any other job where you have profit share, it might mean that your base salary is lower and you're betting on the upside. And that's, that's the trade-off. It's like either, you know, us as, as employers are going to give higher salaries or lower with percentage of upsides. Um, but there's also like another version, which is like incentives. Hey, if we as a team hit this milestone or this metric, then, you know, it clicks into this bonus structure. So I think that's all stuff that exists in other companies. It's just new for us. Like we're all building our companies brand new. So it's, it's like we have, we're moving slower than other places. All right. This one comes from the Reddit from Tim underscore explicit. He said, would you interview a sex worker? Um, hey, Colin, it's Mirror team. Love what you guys do. I was wondering if you guys would ever look into exploring outside the YouTube creator space and looking to interviewing creators on other platforms. I myself work on OnlyFans and I would love to hear your guys' conversation with a veteran OnlyFans creator on the business aspect that comes with it. Yeah, I responded to this on Reddit and just said, absolutely. And it's yeah. something that we've been talking about here at the office. There's no doubt that if you cover the creator economy, you have to, you just have to talk about OnlyFans. Yeah. Right. It's something we actually, we have talked about it on the channel before, mm -hmm. but yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I'd definitely be interested. I'd love to hear from the audience what you would be interested in about it. For me, like Amarath or uh, Karina Kopf are interesting to me because they exist in both worlds. Like they're heavily in the creator space and they're some of the top earners on OnlyFans. Reed, Mr. Beast Manager, who's going to be on the show next week, just posted the gross revenue of Amarath on LinkedIn. Yes, Colin. Was this all a segue for you to bring up LinkedIn? Uh, all it's, of this. It's, it's always a segue to, to bring up LinkedIn. To bring but, up LinkedIn. But guess, just guess. Do you hate this game, by the way? My wife hates this game. When I say, guess I how much money? I hate this Just guess. Because I feel like I'm set up. This is a gripe just, of mine. Just do it. Guess the number. Are you guess, just trying to... Just guess it. Have you all guessed? I don't even remember the listening? question at this point. <laughs> how much money in gross revenue has Amarath made in the past year on OnlyFans? Do you want me to tell you? 1.5 million. $33 million. You weren't even close, Colin. See, that's why you asked you the question. You lost the guessing this game. This is why I hate yeah. it. This is a major gripe. You lost the guessing game. Don't so, ask me the question. It's but, not fun for me. It's fun for you to then say, I told you so. $33 million. Like, Jimmy in Forbes was, Jimmy being Mr. Beast in Forbes was positioned as making $54 million. I know that's a $20 million difference, but that's like, they're in the same league. $33 million on OnlyFans? That's crazy. I, I just want to know how this business works. I actually don't know how, how you even think about it as that creator. Like, how, how does this all work and come together? And who are the players in this game? And is it truly independent? Are there agencies? Like, how does all of this work? Yep. I would be very interested in that. So 
I would love to, to interview someone who's crossover like YouTube and OnlyFans. Um, so, you know, that's my interest. Love to hear from you guys. Can I give you a gripe? Please. All right. I'm at the gym. I love gym gripes. Day. Yeah, this is a gym gripe. And I get onto the Stairmaster to warm up. That's where I always warm up. Okay. Okay. Now I pop in a podcast that's not a productive podcast at all. Andrew Schultz's podcast, comedy podcast, very fun, very funny. Um, having a good time just listening. Turn to my left. The guy directly to my left is also on the Stairmaster reading a book. Okay. That's the end. What, where do you get off reading a book Are on the you, Stairmaster? So you're angry that his book makes you feel bad about the type of content that you're consuming. That's right. It's a, it. I don't even know if he was reading or if he was just kind of like, How, look at me like, yeah. doing two good things for myself at once. <laughs> you know, not it. only am I working out, I'm also bettering my mind. Okay. Get over it, man. All right. Listen to a podcast or music. Like, okay. I'm going to take the book guy's side. No, you're not. Have yeah, you yeah. ever done this? Yeah, I'm have, taking the book guy's side. Have you side. ever done that? No, but I think it's- Would his... you ever do it? No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have a lot of gym insecurities though. That, so I would not, I don't have the confidence to read a book at the gym. What's one of your gym insecurities? All of them. You're just <laughs> all, there. All, People just are looking at you there. and you're looking at them and they're all hot and you're you and it's a you mess. Do, Colin and I do end up at the gym at the same time, but you always like scurry out. Or I act like, like I don't know yeah, you. you act like you don't hate, know me. I, yeah. It's a crazy move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like we walk up to each other. The last time we walked up to each other in the locker room, it was like two acquaintances who like were running into each other after not seeing each other yeah, I, I, from high school. Yeah. And it was like we were about to see each other in 10 minutes at the office. And, and if was, that was a gripe of yours, it's yeah. valid because that, yeah, that is what yeah, happens. Yeah. And All right, book yeah. guy on the Stairmaster, just, just know look, you're not for me at all. I'm, I can empathize with anyone who feels uncomfortable at the gym and like they're being judged from someone next to them on the Stairmaster. This one's from the Reddit. It's from Befuddle Huddle. He says, I just ran 52 marathons in 52 days and it got zero engagement. First of all, from that headline, I already have so many thoughts. But let's go in a little bit more. I'm an endurance runner with a nonprofit focused on providing people in the world with clean water. I've done a long list of endurance challenges to fund our clean water projects, including what happened this past summer, which was doing a marathon a day for 52 days. I tried looking at other approaches content creators have done and spent a long time taking notes, but it received zero engagement. As a result, the fundraiser didn't do too well. Would love any advice. Yeah, a lot of places to start with this. We checked out the yeah. channel and first off, unbelievable feat that you ran yeah. a marathon every day. I think- that's the type of thing, though, that is hard to emotionally get across how difficult that is in short form video. Yeah. And that's because even just looking at the channel, it reduces a marathon a day into a video. Mm. And when you're looking at them side by side, all of a sudden it doesn't feel that difficult. And I think a marathon a day, I would much rather watch a long form video where I'm spending mm -hmm. quality time with you experiencing the struggle of accomplishing this incredibly difficult task mixed with the fact that, you know, and I'm not sure if you release them on TikTok, but I'm looking at them on YouTube shorts. Yeah. YouTube shorts doesn't necessarily have the best culture right now of follow along with me every day. Agreed. Because you're getting served this video in, in their shorts feed. And it's really TikTok that has that subscribe follow for part two mm -hmm. type of feel. Yeah. Uh, so it might be a mismatch of, the format of the content and, and the place for the content. I think that the, just the initial point here, like the impetus of running 52 marathons in 52 days with the hope of engagement and 
raising funds. Like I, I really like that you're doing fundraisers, right? Like that's fantastic. I think your mission is, is awesome, but I don't think you can sign up for something like that with the expectation of engagement just because you're doing 52 marathons in 52 days. I think the presentation of that is so incredibly important. The emotional journey, the transformation from beginning to end. I agree with Colin. I think that's a singular long form video. I don't even think that's a series. I think you have no idea on, on marathon one, what you're going to be like on marathon 52 after marathon 52. And I think you need to spend time developing that and like doing it and then building the piece out of that. It's such an amazing feat that it's easy to talk about but when it's split up the way you've split it up. It's hard for me to send it to a friend. And say, look, this guy did 52 marathons in 52 days. If it's just a 60 second clip of you doing one. So I can't talk about it. I can't send it to anyone. I can't, you know, I don't have an asset to share uh, because you've split it up so much. So good on you for running 52 marathons in 52 days. Uh, But it might not be all lost. You can still make a long form video about it. You can still take all the footage. You can still sit in front of a camera and talk about it and keep trying. Uh, to tell this story in in different ways. So that would be my advice. All right, cool. That's about it for the show today. I do want to issue a reminder. If your name is Sahil and you are Samir's brother, and today (laughs) it is your birthday. and Only valid for today, day of podcast release. And you see Samir at your birthday party. Yeah. Say pineapple, and he will give you $1,000. I'm going to come with a check in my pocket. Yeah. Wow. So we'll if, update if you, you say, next time. We'll update <laughs> you next time if Sahil says pineapple. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Right.